ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. All right, welcome to the Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. Matt, who's that behind you? It's a shape. I was going to say, it's not really a person. It's more of a shape. It's more of an inside-out William Shatner face. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of looks like the inverse of Captain Kirk. (laughs) Well, here's the weirdest thing. Recently on the internet, they've been like, I just realized that Michael Myers looks like Mariah Carey, and they've been putting like Mariah Carey's hair on Michael Myers, and it looks like her in certain shots. So I'm like, wait a second. If Michael Myers looks like Mariah Carey, and Michael Myers is an inside-out Captain Kirk face... Does Mariah Carey look like an inside-out Captain Kirk? Yeah, if you were inside Mariah Carey looking out, you'd see Captain Kirk. <laughs> yeah. That's just... If you were being John Malkovich, her, you'd be like, oh, hey, Captain Kirk. <laughs> What's up, Shatner? Yeah, it's called being Captain Kirk Carey. Captain Kirk Carey. Well, today we are reviewing the brand new 2008 David Gordon Green Halloween. Rumi, I went and saw it last night. We both saw it last night, right? Separately, night, you yeah. in Georgia, me in Los Angeles. Um, yep. I saw it literally 20 minutes after I saw Venom. And oh. Venom was, I mean, I just want to talk about how bad that movie was. But it was <laughs> earth-shatteringly, disappointingly terrible that I honestly don't know if my views on Halloween are accurate because of how bad venom was that my whole system was all fucked up when i walked into halloween that i see well the the second you told me watching venom first i was like what no because i feel like i don't know we'll find out in a second but like i'm worried it would have you go in being in a shitty like movie watching mood already no see i think it's the opposite because i think halloween is gonna get points from me that it didn't necessarily deserve points like it's almost like if you have a shit ass kid and a kid who's okay, the okay kid seems like your awesome kid because the shit ass kid is a shit ass. You know what I mean? I think that's how this is going to be for me. Well, I'm glad you watched Venom first because uh, by by being like, well, compared to that suck fest, this is surviving. That's that's sort of the mentality you think. Exactly, exactly. Because I mean, mm. like to to just put it down, Halloween was not bad. I didn't think it was very good, but it was not bad. It. First of all, it functioned as a film, which I don't think well, Venom did. But it let's like let's start. Let's start here. Just the thumbs up, thumbs down test. All right, and I'm keeping my hand flat because last time we did this, I totally gave it away by just starting with my my hand in the down position. Because <laughs> you're fucking adorable, Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> so hands out flat. Yeah. All right. On the count of three, we'll go thumbs up, down, and and it's going to be a uh, one, two, three thumb. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Three, two, one. I knew that's oh, how it was going. Rumi's going up. You gave up. it a thumbs down. I gave it a thumbs up. Interesting. Interesting. So you gave it a thumbs down, even though it was okay. I'm only giving it a thumbs down because thumbs up, thumbs down only gives you two choices. If I gave it like a letter grade, I'd give it like a, a what, a 64. <laughs> a 64 in a letter grade. I'd give it just whatever failing is. It's It wasn't bad. For me, the thing that fails is it tried to do some pretty good stuff and I think failed to do it. And in doing so the movie itself failed because I think what it was trying to do, it failed at. Now, that being said, it I don't think it really shit on the original. I don't think it was a bad um, sequel to the original. I mean, I love this franchise and there's what, 
11 movies in it now. Yeah. This was by far not the worst. It's definitely in the top half of what it tried to do. I thought the effects and some of the scares were great. And I also think that it didn't do a lot of stuff that contemporary horror does that you all know fucking I hate. And I don't think it did a lot of those little pitfalls that I think I normally mark movies off on. But that being said, I don't like why. Why was it made? What did it what did it bring that was new to the not even to the genre, but to the franchise or to to this license? I'll answer that question right now. What it brought to this franchise was a a workable ending to a story that turned into devolved into shit. I think this is the third best movie in the entire franchise. I think it goes the first one, the third one, and then this one. Like, easily. Easily. No. Then the second one, followed by the, by the original part two, which I think was a pretty decent movie, but it ends really stupid when they're like, it's the brother, and I like that this movie was like, no, forget that shit. I think the fourth through the sixth films are god-awful, even though the little girl, Danny, is a, is a, is a fantastic character she acts really well like for a child actor she's phenomenal oh she's but, amazing as a child actor for but sure most of these movies suck donkey dick dude i just watched the sixth one again and i regret every second that i had to spend on Ooh, that. interesting i don't want to get too far away from 2018 halloween but you're talking about the curse of michael myers yeah the one where he gets beaten by ant-man with a handful of rocks in a circle did you like, <laughs> did you watch the the producer's cut or the theatrical cut um, so I watched the theatrical cut and then I watched a YouTube video that directly laid them side by side and showed every part of the producer's cut that was different. And the producer cut though has a better, no, I, I don't know. It just has a different ending, but it still sucks. It sucks worse. Oh, I so, like that one. I know the rune thing because of the producer's cut and the director's cut has better gore in it. Like I really like that the director's, the director's cut has all the cool like gore gory add-ons but a lot of unnecessary bullshit and then yes oh yeah the producer's cut explains more of it but explains it worse it does explain why dr loomis's scars just disappear magically all of a sudden in this movie which again dumb roomy come on it's dumb it's a terrible movie agreed but again you're doing the sixth movie in a franchise that's i'm like well we're all right yeah well, we're supposed to be talking about the, what, the 11th movie in this franchise? Yeah, I believe it's the 11th one because there's 6, so, 7, 8, 9, 10. I, yeah, this is 11. I, I thought this movie was fucking awesome because I came in with a really low bar because I like I, I don't think I like this Dude, franchise. I, I, I came in with a Venom bar. <laughs> with a Venom bar. So, like, you, you, said, you said you don't like this franchise, right? I don't think I do. Like, we watched the third one together, for, and that was the first time I had ever seen the third one. Mm-hmm. And I liked it a lot. It's weird but it's fucking fun. The first one I give a lot of mad props to, but it's kind of boring and slow. You know? See, this is interesting. And, you know, for those of you guys who don't know, Aaron and I have been friends since college and I'm a couple years older, not a lot, but a couple. And literally last year, I would have agreed with you. Oh, well, last year I started to get into the franchise, but I didn't buy into the hype of Halloween one. I always explain yeah. it, the same thing about like comic books. Like I know how important Steve Ditko was. I know how important Jack Kirby was. And I always mm-hmm. say that's like the foundation of comic books. You couldn't have everything else without them. But when I go look at a house, I don't look at the foundation and go, ooh, that's nice foundation. That's not the stuff that I care about. And I feel the same way about, or I felt the same way about the first Halloween movie. I understand why it's so important. I understand that it broke ground and I understand how like it's historically relevant for that reason. And it also is very effective, but I didn't care. It didn't it wasn't a movie that I felt like I needed to watch every year or two. And it wasn't a movie that I necessarily 
um, like resonated with me on a personal level. I don't know if I just grew up or my tastes have changed or just that I got so into the rest of the franchise and the rest of the series. But now I really do like it. It's grown on me for sure. There's a sentence that you keep saying that I don't understand. I really got into the rest of the franchise. What movies are you talking about? They're just fun. You know what I think Wh- it no, is? Which one though? Like four all, or five? You like- name them. They're all good because of what, in my mind, they're all good because of what they are. Now, that being said, I just watched H2O last night after I got home. It's terrible. They're all terrible. None of them are like the first one is great. The second one is pretty good. The third one is great shitty movie. The rest of them are terrible, stupid. Terrible. But right. Exactly. But the, you know what I guess it is? I guess when I pay for that ticket to watch Halloween 5, I want and expect this, and it gives me that. It's comfortable. And this movie did not give you that? I thought this movie gave me that, but better. They had 17 kills in it. Well, I, the, you're talking, when you say this one, you mean the new one. The, the new one, yeah. I guess to me, and this is kind of hard because it's kind of hypocritical for me to say this, but if you're going to try something new... I, it, it, if it fails, you failed. If you try something new and it doesn't work, you didn't do what you tried to do. And this movie, uh, you know, like we're talking about, and I, I guess we haven't said it yet, but there's going to be spoilers, not only for the whole franchise, but for this movie. So if you're still listening and you haven't seen it yet, get yeah, ready. Yeah, we are really going to get into this uh, and, and apparently going to get into it more than I thought we would have to because I thought you would have <laughs> been like, yeah, it was fine. I didn't expect you to love it. And, and it seems like you're saying it's fine, but there's certain aspects. Yeah, that you know I, what it is? I, just, I think it's fine, but so what? And who cares and why are my, my takeaways from it? Horror today, contemporary modern horror, uh, irks me so much. My note right here is a refreshing, hearkening back to 70s horror, the franchise that really stuck to a low, uh, like it didn't show a lot of gore. Sure. Low gore movie. It came back to that. It crafted its its kills in a way that fit that franchise. It didn't rely on gore. It di- it didn't rely on any of the shit that really pisses me off. Didn't have any of those weird like fast. Right, I agree. Scares. Didn't have any jump scares. All the things I think that it did, like horror, worked. What? What did? I think that I, I guess we'll have to find examples. You know but is, to me, I saying, thought it was very successful. What you're saying makes sense, and it's almost like that's the wrapping. But the yeah. the structure, like literally the structure of the movie, the plot. The motivations of people, why things were happening, and who needed to go where, when, why. What the fuck was that about? And I think some of that might have been in editing. So there might be a, a cut that's released that makes more sense. But for me, it's like you have this character, and it's very important for them this to happen. And then that doesn't really end up mattering. And you're like, now, now that, oh, okay. There is one aspect of that, the, the biggest example of that near the end that I thought was stupid as fuck. And I was like, movie, what are you doing? You were doing so good. And then you did this one thing. And then it was like, oh, but I'm, I'm back on track now. And I was like, okay, but why did you do that detour <laughs> for a quick second? Like, and that was really unnecessary. And we'll get to that. Well, you want to, you want to try to just do the movie like, like, uh, like chronologically. Yeah, so the movie starts now, if you guys don't know, this movie supposes that Halloween two and on never happened. This is supposed to be a direct sequel from Halloween one. Yeah. Correct. Correct. And for the most part, I respect that. But at the same time, I think they could have just as easily retconned part two and kept it in the franchise. Sure. I agree. But like, again, the fact that you made that choice and said, we're not doing this for whatever reason, I'm like, okay. But like, now make it different. Like the fact it would have been stupid if it had to do with cults and runes and it was the same story as the rest of the franchise. But the fact that they just made it different is okay. But here's my first issue is why? 
like now he's not related to Laurie Strode anymore. Not that that was Good. any sort of like yeah, but that's a big plus to me. That's like writing it's it's correcting the course. But like, see, in my mind, I don't think that that it was wrong that he was related to her. Now, granted, it made just as much or just as little sense as any other thing in any horror movie ever. But why is he trying to attack her now if he's not related? Like, what is the what is his motivation for killing in this movie? And here's an interesting thing. I was talking to a friend of the show, Lee Pukedrul, earlier today. We were talking on Instagram, and he brought up this thing that Laurie Strode acted like she had seen all the movies that this movie said didn't exist. <laughs> That's true. Okay. I could I, I would agree with that. Good job. Good job, Lee. That is true, but at the same time, like, we still have Dr. Loomis, his character's not in the movie, but we have him being like, He should be burned at the stake. I shot him six times. He should be burned alive. <laughs> you know, and like still obsessing with how evil this guy is. And she lived through a pretty traumatic thing, I, I guess, but like, <laughs> why is he chasing her? Well, why not? Why did he chase her in the first movie? Well, I guess the the the, the thing is why does he come back to chase her in this one? And we see him kill some random people for rando reasons. And okay, so he's a random serial killer, but also he's got a hard on for Laurie Strode. Like why? Because like, it's a horror movie sequel. Why wouldn't you? She was the one who got away. But I guess they. I guess in my mind they should have played it up because I guess they were saying they're not related. There's no connection between them. And you're like, okay. And they're like, but he's going to go after her for most of the movie. And you're like, but why? And they're like, because no reason. But I would rather have no reason than it's her brother, because that was mind-numbingly dumb to me. That's because you're worried that Kevin will kill you one day. <laughs> Possibly. But, like, at the same time, like, I guess there is no win here. <laughs> I'm imagining you're sitting at your little fucking makeup table with your boobs hanging out, just combing your hair after a quick bang, <laughs> and Kevin comes in <laughs> just like a cloud and kills you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you're going to change something, if you're going to if you're going to change something that is technically like almost established canon, why? Like why are you going to change it? I I saw it as a change to course correct the stupidity that the franchise had become. I also didn't care that it changed because at the end of the day, I guess I just didn't find the 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 reasoning behind serial killers that fascinating. Like it it we want him to fight her. Go. Like it doesn't matter. The 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 Halloween movies never had a better reason other than whatever, like them trying to put runes into it is a better reason than than just nothing, I suppose. But I would rather have nothing than runes or brothers, sisters, like just let them be crazy. Why not? I guess to me, it just seems like the movie was so adamantly saying that there's no connection between them. Yet the whole movie is about them preparing to fight each other. It's both Ahab complexes. She's obsessed with killing him. He's obsessed with killing her. Uh, obviously, it's it doesn't make as much sense because you don't have nine movies that built that up. You now you only have potentially one movie and then this like inexplicable history. But I think it's like the history does exist. Like they have this Ahab complex for each other. And they do mention that there is a line where you guys, if you guys, <laughs> Rumi's like dropping the microphone and walking away in his video because <laughs> he referenced Moby Dick. But. <laughs> I'm pretty proud of my literary reference yeah, there, Yeah, gotta Ruby. get those penis jokes in there, Moby Dick. <laughs> oh, I got peanut butter on my penis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of the better lines in this movie. I thought this movie was great. There is a line in the movie where they do say that, like, Michael Myers has been kept going because of his need to be the predator, and she is, uh, Laurie Strode has been kept going because of her need to not be the prey. And I think that makes sense, and that, like, I get that and everything. I just don't, the, the Laurie Strode thing 
it doesn't count against it. I'm not saying the movie was bad because of that, but I'm like, the movie was like, well, they're not related. And I was like, okay. And they're like, no, they're not. And I'm like, okay. And it's like, seriously, they're not, but he's going to chase her most of the movie. And you're like, but why? And they're like, because same reason he killed this woman who was looking out the window. And you're like, why? Cause you had five minutes. They're like, yep. <laughs> well, he just is a killer. He goes and kills lots of people. It's fun. So fun for him. He has a good time with it. Nobody knows why. The movie opens. The doctor's obsessed with it. The movie opens with these podcasters. You know how much everyone hates podcasters. <laughs> the podcast is the new lower back tattoo. They go to <laughs> they go to a giant chessboard to try to evoke some sort of reaction from Michael Myers. They show him the mask. He doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Every other fucking ra- maniac in that area goes crazy. Then yep. my friend who dogs I, start my, barking and shit. Yep, my friend Joey, who I saw it with said that he was out at that moment because they later then see Laurie Strode and like we showed him the mask and there was no reaction. And no, Michael Myers didn't react, but everybody else literally felt the everybody evil. Everybody went yeah. fucking Like bonkers. people barking, yelling, screaming. <sighs> Rumi, I need, like I have to chaperone you to movies just so you focus and like know what's good. I probably would have liked this more seeing it with you because you get so excited and your tail wags and then I start to get yeah. a little excited. But they go, so these two podcasters... They then go see Laurie Strode. Laurie Strode lives in this old house in Illinois in the woods. It's they establish these giant floodlights all over it. She's got a She's turned it into a fortress. fortress. Yeah. There's a thousand locks on the door, which will come into play later multiple times. She doesn't really want to be interviewed by them. I really like Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie. I know that in H2O, they tried to show her aftermath and they showed her as this like super strong lady who like succeeded and became a girl's school like principal. No, Josh Hartnett was at that school. It was a boy school too. What is that? Prep school. Yeah, like, like a, a fancy school, school. Like a living live dorm yeah. prep school. And, and that, okay, that worked. But this one showed a very damaged but still fierce person. Somebody so, who survived. They were trying to go for Sarah Connor, right? Yeah. It was like PTSD, but still fierce. She was very damaged, very fragile, but at the same time, like, hardened. And I thought that her performance in this was really impressive. And honestly, I would have taken more scenes with her and and some of that stuff that I bet a lot of people were like, ah, I don't like this because they're trying to show character. But like, I really liked her character. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was an interesting portrayal of PTSD, an interesting portrayal of like survivor strength and sort of the damage it has on her family i thought that was interesting and i thought it was well done especially jamie lee curtis her, her acting was, i thought was great in this movie do you disagree well here's my problem okay i don't think i don't disagree with what you said i disagree that the movie didn't do a good job of showing that and here's why i think that a large part of my problem with this movie was i feel that there was a lot of scenes that either were not shot or were shot and cut out or were put in different order so Yes, there's a lot of good stuff of her being PTSD and her, you know, showing that I had some trauma. I've tried to, you know, get myself stronger because of it. I'm prepared so that that never happens again. And how it affects her family. She's got Judy Greer, who's her daughter. And then there's an actress named Allison. She's played by someone named Andy Matichak, who they, Andy Matichak does a really good job and she's developed as a character. I thought Judy Degre- Judy Greer was a fucking waste. I don't blame her or her acting, but in there's many scenes where Allison, who's Laurie Strode's granddaughter, 
seems sympathetic to Laurie Strode. She seems like she wants her in her life, and Judy Greer does not. And Judy Greer, I believe we are supposed to understand that Judy Greer had a very militant, hard, rough, non-loving, survivalist childhood because Laurie Strode was trying to prepare her for the road ahead. She and Edward Furlong could start a support group. <laughs> yeah. We see two flashbacks of this happening. And every other time it's mentioned is Judy Greer literally walking through a scene, rolling her eyes about it. So it just, to me, it seemed like Judy Greer's character, whose name is Karen, seems like Judy Greer's character just didn't have time to deal with this trauma. <laughs> and it seemed like, do you agree with that? Did you feel that? Well, mm, I wrote, she treats her like an alcoholic, not a PTSD sufferer. Right. But it seemed like, so I she's agree like, with that. Mom, I'm not going to talk to you if you're drinking. But she's like, Mom, I'm not going to talk to you if you're being if all you're survivalist I hate Michael Myers. Prep. Yeah. But she does that every time Judy Greer is, in my opinion, every time Judy Greer was talking, she was talking as if the mom was like a teenager who Judy Greer was doing her absolute best not to lose it on. She's like, ugh, this is well, really annoying, but not serious to the level that it should be. Because she's trying to divorce herself from an unhealthy influence on her family. But I thought, I, I understand what you're saying, but even in Terminator 2, how everybody handled Sarah Connor was more heartfelt and more emotional than how anyone ha handled Laurie Strode in this movie. I feel like we were made to understand that. We were supposed to understand it. She wanted to cut her out of her life completely. If like, if she would rather her mom just go away. Right, but I think the, 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 I think it was the direction of Judy Greer's acting was like, you're mildly perturbed by this. It seemed like... Ugh, oh, mom, my prepping, my prepping mom is here again with a gun. Get out of here, you rascally rabbit. It's like, no, 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 there's much deeper issues. We should really be more concerned about this. Judy Greer just seemed like she didn't have time to deal with this trauma. If, if they added a scene where she was like talking to her husband or a friend or her psychiatrist and was like, mom came back again with a gun and like I told her no and I'm trying to set boundaries, like something that explored that a little bit more. If you yeah, had yeah, a scene exactly. or two of that. And again, that's like, what I'm saying. Remove one scene of eye rolling and add in a scene of, of, exactly. her, of her depth. Exactly. Because I feel that if you were to watch those scenes where she is either talking about or to Laurie Strode, she yeah. does it with like a slight tilt of the head and an eye roll the whole time. Maybe, I mean, maybe we could have more of that. But at the same time, I thought for a movie that was exploring a much deeper sort of character than we've seen in the past from that trope of prepper and or survivalist, this had a, I thought, a much more realistic approach to somebody. I, I felt it was more complex. and I, I thought it was a little mature, a more mature version of something we've seen in a lot of other horror films of this ilk. Yeah, I could. I, I Like I said, I would have taken 30 more minutes of the family drama. I, I agree. And I think, although I would have been bored by that because I was not as into the movie, yeah. but that being everybody said, and that's why I said, I said that some of my criticism it. will be hypocritical, but that would have made me feel better. But also jumping to the end for a spoiler, the like how they kill Michael Myers, Judy Greer does a whole like 360 where, or a 180, I guess, where she's like, ha ha, now I'm on board with mom's plan. And you're like, but wait a minute. You just seem so ambivalent to everything the whole movie. Was that all an act or are you just suddenly buying into her shit? Just to me, Judy Greer was a very well, paper thin, I mean, poorly directed character, I thought. Okay, maybe. But also, uh, bitch, I told you so is a tough pill to swallow, Rumi. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but so we meet the family. We meet uh, Judy Greer, her husband, who's kind of a fun loving. Like he's a fun character. He's, he's like just a good kind dad. Of a he's like a nice guy. He seems yeah. nice to everybody. What my, he he comes up with a very funny line early on. He's putting peanut butter on these mouse traps, and uh, it, one of them goes off and splatters them with peanut butter. And he's like, "Oh, I got peanut butter on my penis." <laughs> His daughter's in the room. She's like, "Dad, stop it." I would say that. I would. Say, I don't have a kid, but I would say that in front of my kid for sure. We meet the 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 granddaughter who you know she's real smart, and which is you know an, another continuing theme of these movies is the smart final girl. She's about to get into honor society. She wants her grandma to be there. Uh, her mom is like, yeah, I called her. No, she didn't. They establish that the daughter has a boyfriend and the father doesn't like the boyfriend's family. Did you pick up on the reference to who the, the family was? No. Who? So the boyfriend's name, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but it's uh, his dad is He looks Lonnie. like a female cat. Yeah. His dad is Lonnie Elam. And in the original movie, Lonnie Elam is the bully who makes fun of Tommy. Oh, okay. All right, fine. So that's kind of a, a tie-in there. I will give it this movie that there's a lot of like little cameos and name drops and little you know Easter eggs that are. F- I thought like as someone who likes the original or the you know the rest of the franchise, I like the little drops. I like the little Easter eggs and stuff. It wasn't distracting and it wasn't like I think sometimes those are very like um almost yeah. like holier that like look I know this person's name. You're like so what you did your hey, fucking homework. Get to the chop. Right, yeah, you're like, okay, good, you watched oh the other movie, God. good. But I thought that this was this had some fun little drops in it. And one of my, early on, one of the ones that I loved that made me go, ooh, here's what you're doing. So they have the granddaughter in the back of the class, she's listening yeah, to the teacher. there we go, this is some roomy she, shit. She listens to the teacher talking about fate, and what's crazy, because I literally watched the first movie before I watched this one, is when they have the scene where Lori is in the back of the class listening to a different a different lecture about fate. In the original movie, yeah. She looks out the window and sees Michael Myers. Well, in this movie, the granddaughter's listening to a lecture about fate, but the lecture goes, that's one perspective, and it goes into this different perspective, and they lay out the entire theme to the movie. It's like a different quote from a different sort of mm-hmm. philosopher, and she looks out the window, and it's Laurie Strode, and you're like, ooh. Yeah, I thought that was smart. I see what you're comparing here, and it's a very cool nod without being hyper heavy-handed. And I think they did a lot of that, where like thematically or even visually, like like that shot was set up. The shot was composed very similar to the original one, and yes. I feel that like those were really good nods. And I feel like, and that's why I that I think that's ultimately why I'm um disappointed in the movie is because I feel it had the bones to be something better, and I just don't think it got to the bar that I wanted it to. So after, you know, they set up these families, the whole time period is around the hospital is closing where Michael Myers is and they're going to transfer a bunch of people to this new quote unquote hospital. We meet the new Loomis. His name is Dr. Sartain. Mm. You know, he basically says, I took the torch after Loomis died of a heart attack. You know, I've been watching Michael Myers and he never says a word. He's obsessed with Michael's not saying a word. Not talking. Yeah. Also, again, they are ignoring all the other movies, but if they had watched the other movies, they would know that you can't transfer Michael Myers anywhere. In the first movie, he escapes during a transfer. In the fourth movie, he escapes during a transfer. Like, you can't transfer Michael Myers anywhere. (laughs) So they put him on the bus. Laurie Strode is, like, outside the mental hospital drinking with the gun, and she's going to assassinate Michael, and she freaks out and starts drinking, and then they cut to this dinner where the family is. It's set up that this is the National Honor Society dinner, like a celebration because this girl got into the smart club and the family is going to meet the, the boyfriend. The boyfriend seems to be like a nice guy. Yeah. He's getting along with the family. The family seems very comfortable. The dad even tells a joke about 
getting high with the with the boy's father and like the boy seems very nice he seems very genuine to the point where even Laurie Strode comes in and when Laurie Strode comes in the boy stands up to shake her hand which I don't think boys or men do anymore and I yeah. like that was something I was always taught like a gentleman stands up to shake someone's hand and I was like oh he's a cool character he's he's weird looking he think he looks like a little blue people from Avatar but <laughs> he is yeah he's a Navi for sure he's weird yeah, yeah but anyway I thought in this scene it went overboard establishing him as a good guy yeah he is a wasted character I'll, I'll throw him under the bus for sure the bus that well, just again it just turns into this editing thing later where you're like later you're like wait why did you change what he's doing and also now we don't see him anymore but anyway yeah. Laurie Strode comes in and she's all mashugana because she just had this near almost killed Michael Myers thing. And she's like, drink, she gulps some wine. Then she finally sits down well, and, and everybody's giving her shit. And she's like, I saw him. And everybody's like, yeah, right. But like she did, she saw him come out of, of a prison hospital in chains. Like she saw him. I, right. That would and freak this me is, out too. This is, this is my whole thing about the whole family and Judy Greer. You have the dad who I believe is supposed to be goofy and silly and not taking everything serious as his character. I think he was supposed to be that character. But Judy Greer just is like, oh, oh, mom, you're ruining our dessert. It's like, uh, it's more than that, Judy. Yeah, well, if she took the time to talk to her mother, maybe she'd know what was going on. See, we need that 30 minutes of them talking, talking, talking. Yeah. Mom, were you sitting outside of the hospital with a gun drinking flight bottles of alcohol? No. And she's like, I'm glad you got to see that. See, your grandma's crazy. This is why we don't invite her to things. Right. Yeah. And then what happens? We get to our first like, uh-oh moments. So then there's a father and a son, like a young, is that what it is? Yeah, the father and son in the car and he's like, you don't want to go hunting? He's like, no, dad, I do want to go hunting. I just, I just don't want to miss dance class. That's my thing right now. Yeah, I love I, dancing too, yeah. which is like a cute little funny thing, I guess. Yeah, they do a good job with it. But then they come across this crash bus and all these crazy people running around in the street. And again, this is another visual nod to the first one because it looks, you're, you're looking through a windshield at a yeah. bunch of white garbed crazy people walking around. I thought it was very good. It's, it's, it's good to establish you know, where the movie's going and everything. I think it does a good do- job. Obviously, the dad gets out of the car to investigate, doesn't come back. The kid calls 911, gets out of the car to investigate. With a hunting rifle. Yeah, which is cool because then he he goes into the bus and what happens in the bus? <laughs> the, t- Dr. Sartain jumps out from behind the scene and goes, don't shoot, which immediately gets him shot. Like when you play like uh, Maximum Enforcers or whatever that video game and the, yeah. like the hostages jump out at you and they're wearing the same clothes as the bad guys. Like, don't shoot! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and lose you obviously accidentally shoot them and you lose points. Yeah, basically this kid shoots the doctor because, I mean, the dude jumped out screaming, don't shoot. You'd get shot. Come no, on. not a jury in the world would convict that little child. Yeah, the kid shoots the doctor, but the doctor lives. He'll, he'll be okay. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. The kid finds a <laughs> cop who's dying who's like, run, run. And the kid gets in the car, starts it. And I'm like, man, this kid is badass. Michael Myers is in the back seat and kills a kid. And I was like, this movie's yep. kicking ass right now. Pretty cool. And he kills a kid in what I think is very, I guess it is a good Michael Myers way. This movie, dude, dude I, Michael I really Myers can't kills sh- so lame. He either pins you to a wall with your feet dangling in an impossible fashion, crushes your head in a stupid way. In this movie or in general? All his movies. Michael Myers kills. They've always been like, we're, we're not going to show gore. We're not going to be gratuitous about it. So most of his movies have lame kills in them. It's always, well, see, I think, it's always about finding the bodies. All of the Halloween franchise is about finding the bodies, not about showing the kill. 
during this one, he hides one body in this movie. I think he only hides one body in this movie, right? No, I mean like crouched up in a closet with a blood trail yeah. leading you over there. Yeah. And I, while I watched that last night, I was like, Michael Myers is the squirrel of movie killers, <laughs> right? He just kills these people and like buries them away. But Michael Myers kills the kid by grabbing his head and repeatedly slamming it against the, window, the side of the car, the window, yeah. like inside, which I thought was actually a pretty, I mean, you're right. It's not gratuitous and it's not super bloody, but as a way to kill a child, it's, it's very brutal, pretty right? Pretty vicious, it's Repeatedly, yeah. it's violence. It's funny because later in the movie, I thought very differently, but at that point, I was like, awesome. You're killing a kid. That's a point. You get a point for that. Yeah, it was awesome. We get to the cops and we meet one of the police officers who was from the original movie who was there that night. Played by Will Patton, right? Yeah. And then we meet one of these other sheriffs who is is a black guy wearing a cowboy hat and cowboy boots. Right. And I was like, when he walked in the room, I was like, is it Creighton Duke? Are they going to have a Creighton Duke character? From is that the, from uh, Jason, Goes, Jason to Goes to Hell? And it's not, but it really made me want a Creighton Duke movie. <laughs> what an interesting morsel to remove from, from Jason Goes to Hell and hope we'll be in other films, but... <laughs> But they, yeah, we established that one of the cops that is now on the trail of Michael Myers was one of the first responding officers on the first night of the babysitter murders from the original. And he's the one who stopped Loomis from blowing Michael Myers' brains out when he was on the ground. Yeah. I thought that was a great line. I wish, like, that's something I wish this movie explored more was that Loomis had to be, at the end of the first movie, Loomis had to be restrained from flat out murdering Michael Myers. I he's thought that crazy. was pretty fucking cool. And way overused in the franchise. <laughs> so then we get to the to the to this gas station where our podcasters with the Michael Myers mask in their trunk is at this gas station. They're filling up. It's two of them. There's a guy and a and a girl, and the girl goes to the bathroom, and it's disgusting. First of all, they're fucking British or something, and we're in America. We're in fucking Illinois, and she's talking about the bathroom, and then she walks into the gas station to see a gas station attendant played by an actor who looks like a guy who works at a gas station. She goes. Excuse me, where's the loo? And he goes, what? And she goes, the loo. Oh, the bathroom. How fucking long have you been in America? You thought the gas station attendant, like, why would you call it a loo? That annoyed me to no end. Good thing she didn't ask him for a cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) While she's doing that, in the background, unbeknownst to our other characters, you see Michael Myers, escaped Michael Myers, like beating the shit out of somebody, which was kind of cool. And then she gets to the bathroom and we get into something that this franchise loves to do. Michael Myers loves to open every stall door. And it, oh, yeah. it happens at, in at least three movies. Okay. Well, I mean, you got to do that. First, she does it. And then he, he she's yeah. taking a, I'm going to assume she's taking a wicked English deuce. <laughs> <laughs> and then he comes in and, you know, it's the, you know, she's looking under the stall. So you're kind of seeing it almost like her eyeline of yeah. his boots going and he's opening, opening, opening. And then he's jiggling. He, yeah. He finally has on his, his little coveralls. Yep. Cause he stole them from the gas station outside. Uh, the dude, British podcaster number two, he <laughs> goes in to pay and finds the dude's like jaw ripped off the, well, gu- I don't think he sees it, right? The jaw being he fucked does. up is on... You think he well, sees it? He sees that that man's dead. He's like, oh my God. Oh, I, and he re- I thought he just saw that it was down. Then he walks into another room and he sees another guy on the floor with his coveralls removed. We see the, the full-on aftermath. He sees that yeah. something's wrong. Okay. I don't think he comes around... Uh, yeah, I don't think he sees that this guy's face is bashed in, his teeth are all mashed out. And then he's like, something's wrong. He goes into the garage, sees the dude dead on the ground in his tidy whities with blood everywhere and a bloody hammer. <laughs> And he's like, oh my God. Where is the blood? Everywhere. <laughs> Michael Myers, he stabbed everybody. 
<laughs> I was a thing a five-year-old kid told me while literally walking by my room and heard the soundtrack. Yeah. The Michael Myers original Halloween theme. She said, Mr. C, Michael Myers? I said, yeah. He choked everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is a cool re- gimmick, I think, where she's now duking it up and he gets to her stall and he puts his bloody fist over the stall. And what does he do? Rune? He drops the teeth and that's chilling. That's yeah, chilling. I thought so too. He drops a handful of bloody teeth that, you know, I think we very quickly as the audience understand his teeth and she like looks, she looks down and there's like, oh, oh, goodness gracious me, there's teeth. There's teeth. And he starts rattling the cage. Like he's rattling the stall real hard. Uh, podcaster number one shows up and he starts hitting him with a crowbar and Michael Myers grabs this guy and starts bashing his head into the bathroom wall, bashing, using his head as a battering ram to bash his head, open the door. This chick pulls up her pants and starts crawling under the stall while her friend's head is being smashed into the stall, into the wall, and getting fucked up royal. I mean, yeah, so he's, Michael Myers is just banging him all over the place. Oh, he head fucks first. him up so bad. And then uh, he, I mean, kills him. Well, here's, let me ask you this because he throws him across the room. And he lands in a bloody lump in the corner. Yeah. Then he starts going after the girl. And while he's going after the girl, there's at least two, if not three or more, cuts to the guy in the corner watching. His eyes are open and spit is falling out of his mouth. He's still alive at that point because he's breathing and watching. And I thought that they were going to have him survive and play a bigger part in the rest of the film and possibly be guilty that he watched and wasn't able to help. Because you watch him in a very vulnerable, a helpless pose, crunched against the wall, watching with his eyes as this girl, who at least is his partner, if not his lover, is being ravaged by Michael Myers. If he survives, he won't have the cognitive ability to understand what's going on. He because has, he's been bashed up so much. His skull has been bashed in so hard. That so, dude has like 20 concussions. But here's my my question for you, and I admit that maybe I missed a shot and I don't remember, but the movie, for sure, at this point, does a very distinct, specific job of showing us that he is still alive. But do you see him killed at any point? Do you know for sure? Like, we didn't get a body bag being zipped up over his face that I remember. I guess here's my question. Are you trying to not count this as a kill, or are you saying they needed to confirm the kill somehow? um, I'm asking about the, the, the technique of the filmmaking. In Bonnie and Clyde, which is another movie they reference in this, it has one of my favorite portrayals of brain damage when this guy gets shot in the head and then he crawls around on the ground trying to reach for a gun that's like four feet to his left. And, and I always love that because it's like, dude, that guy's suffering from such brain trauma that he doesn't even know what he's looking at right now. And I thought that's what they were cutting to was something that to me, I, I enjoy when movies are like, brain trauma, you're all fucked up, bro. I think that was cool. I guess I, I'm not debating that, but for me, as far as storytelling, if you want me to understand that that guy's dead, you got to show me that he's dead. Wow, Rumi. You can't show me that he's alive. I think you're then, on a dangerous territory of asking them to over-explain things to you. Well, no, but, he, but here's the thing, and this movie, I feel, does a lot of things where it shows you something and then either tells you something different later or doesn't explain it. Like, we'll get to it, but there's a guy who has a tattoo and they mention his tattoo, and we see the tattoo later. I still don't know why we saw his tattoo. I'll explain it to you, Rumi. Don't you worry. Thank you. I'm going to pat you on the digital head right now. <laughs> there's more than there's more than just that. But anyway, so okay. it, I thought this, this was a fun scene. I thought it was a good scene. And then he picks her up and squishes her to death, or chokes her to death, breaks her neck. You hear you hear the crack right. there. Does that count as a kill, Rumi? Is that enough of a of a sound effect to let you know she died? 
Yes, because they didn't show her hit the floor and then watch another two minutes of the scene. <laughs> I don't. I think that's. I think what I'm saying is a a, a good point to make, and it's it's my. It specifically is one of the issues I, I'm having. Here. I I think you're nitpicking it, but that's okay. That's okay. You're allowed to. And and <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I, that sounded really pretentious. But it's like after you see Venom and you're just like it's so shitty. You're just nitpicking everything at that point. You know, like in, in like the Predator. Like by the time I was over out of the Predator, I just nitpicked every fucking thing that that could have been cool. But I'm nitpicking the shit out of it. Do you well, think guess, you got to that point sooner because you had already seen a movie no, no. that you were like, no, fuck this I'm, movie? Like I'm, I'm, I honestly think that if I had not seen Venom before seeing this movie, I think I would have liked this movie less. Less? I think... Jesus. I, I can't help you there, man. So <laughs> I, Michael I Myers goes outside concern. and puts on the mask. He finally gets his mask back. We're reunited. We have Michael Myers again. How exciting. Yes, it's good. And, uh, I like the mask. I like the mask. Looked cool. Yeah, the mask was really cool, dude. So then they do some more establishing shit. Uh, it, it's Halloween night at this point, right? Well, we we can get to all that. Sure. The granddaughter and her boyfriend go to the Halloween dance, and at the dinner scene, they mention they were going dressed as Bonnie and Clyde, but there's like a secret twist that they didn't admit. We find out the twist is as a gender swap, so the boys dressed as Bonnie and the girls dressed as Clyde. Fun. Okay, great. Earlier in the movie, we met their like their funny friend sidekick. Uh, he's there dressed as a devil vampire thing. He's ha- he's yucking it up at the dance. Um, they're drinking at the dance. She gets a phone call from her grandma a couple times. She says, "Fuck that shit." Doesn't want it. Doesn't answer it. It's. I think it's important to note that when those phone calls come in, her boyfriend seems ticked off that she's looking at her phone. Yeah. Which yeah, come on, be in the moment, kids. <laughs> I mean, we're jumping around this a little bit because it does keep cutting back and forth. Uh, we established that her best friend and her stoner boyfriend are babysitting at a house, and we meet who is probably my favorite character in the movie. We meet sure. the babysitter kid. The friend is at the house, and she's on the phone talking to granddaughter, and this little kid sitting on the couch watching what I think is Repo Man. Yes, they they were watching Repo Man. Cool. And she's like, oh, uh, Donnie's coming over later, and he's bringing some abracadabra and uh, you guys should come over in a little bit after I put the kid to bed. And they're like, okay, we'll be there. And she hangs up the phone, and the kid goes, I know you're having friends over and go smoke some weed. She's like, no, uh, it's a magic he trick. He did it with a little lift, too. I know yeah, he's got a little lift. Like, I know you're just having friends over and you're going to smoke, smoke some weed. weed. Uh, that kid is awesome and hilarious. Agreed, but o- overused, but like that's that's me being nitpicky. That's, that's yeah. me knowing that these are har- comedy writers trying to write horror. I thought it felt pretty natural. It was fun. It was fun. And the kid does have some great like zingers in there where you're like, nice. Um, the boyfriend shows up and he's like, I got a tattoo. And the tattoo is commemorating the night they're going to have sex for the first time because they established early on that like tonight's the night we're going to do it. Correct. But we do not see in this when he says that we don't see the tattoo. Because it's we, a reveal for later because you're like, oh, you're teasing me on something. Why don't you show the tattoo? And I thought it was weird, but then it made the reveal... Like, oh, I see what you're talking about. But it's revealed later, and it's just 10-31-18, right? Yeah, which is Halloween, the date you're, like, this movie's happening on. But why are you revealing something that makes no sense and is inconsequential is my thing. I get that it's inconsequential, but let's get to the kills, and when we get back to that reveal, I'll explain it to you. You're going to have to explain the shit out of it, man, because I don't, I think this rift is getting bigger between us. But anyway. So... We have this amazing one shot. They do this long tracking shot where Michael Myers starts walking down the street. We get a fun tease to uh, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. We see three kids wearing the masks. Yep. They bump into Michael Myers and you know he, he ignores them. And then we follow him in a long one shot as he goes into a garage, takes a hammer, walks into a house, smashes some chick's brains out, 
takes a knife, comes down the street. We see a woman who's like, oh my God, there's a killer on the loose. Oh, thanks for letting me know. We see him watching her through a window. Camera stays at that window where he yeah. was and he walks away. We're still looking in the window in at the this window. woman walking around. I think this whole shot is really cool. Super effective. Agreed. She walks up. She's looking out the window. She lowers the blind and he stabs her through the throat and bashes her head off the chair that she's looking over. Like, fucking yeah, cool. I agree. I thought that was fun and I thought that was cool. And that was a big nod to the first scene of Halloween 2. This whole sequence is. Right, exactly. Because it's a lot of the same... like. The location looks a lot like the first one, uh, or like the second one, rather, the beginning of the second one. The beginning of the second one, he walks into a house and acquires the butcher knife, although in the second one, I believe he does it without killing the old lady that's in there. I think he, she's making a sandwich, and I think he takes the knife and leaves. And leaves, yeah. But this one, he, this one, he her fucks her up with a, a hammer, yeah. and then immediately... it's a, And it's a cool shot. It's fun. It's good filmmaking. This is Halloween... Like, how I want it to be. This is what I wanted it to be. Although yeah. it's a little senseless. I mean, he, he gets the knife. But yeah. then I don't know why that great long shot through the window where the camera stays and he walks, we see him walk around the side of the house through the window. Why is he killing that lady? Like, why did he kill that person? I don't know. She's, it, but she's like, in the house. What house? She's in the Halloween house. What's the Halloween house? She's in Laurie His Strode's house? original house. Oh, okay. Is that what it is? Yeah. That's All the right. original house from the Halloween movie. Okay, I admit that if I miss that, then that makes more sense and it's fine. But either way, that was like a fun kill and a fun a scene, a fun sequence. So I'm like, I'm on board for that. That's cool. So he's killing people at this point. We don't see the woman get her head bashed in. We see the t- like him just kind of walk out. We hear, bap, 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 bap. And then the camera follows into the kitchen. We see her on the table. Her brain's all smashed out. We hear this baby crying in the other room. And yes. this was something else I was talking about. I was like, he already killed a kid. I was hoping he was going to walk up, look down at the baby, and then the camera moved past and you just hear the baby stop crying. Like that would have been so cold and really have cemented to me that he was like ultimate evil, pure evil. Shot him six times. Like, See, now this is funny because at that exact moment I got, and I don't know if this is because I'm getting to be an old man, but I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't kill that baby. Oh. And I would have given him like brutal props for it, but yeah. I was like, uh, unnecessary, especially that he's already killed a kid. And I actually got like a little concerned about it. And I was like, I'm glad that he didn't. I was at a very talkative movie theater when I saw this. Mm-hmm. And uh, the kid next to me, it was a kid. This was like a 13-year-old kid watching this movie right next to me. And he goes, see, he didn't kill that baby. He's not all that bad. You should have stabbed that kid. <laughs> <laughs> Although, to be fair, though, he did not kill everyone he saw. A bunch of kids no. bumped into him in, that, in the beginning of that same scene. He didn't kill them. Well, it doesn't want to so, get caught right and- away. What's that? He doesn't want to get caught right away. You got to be opportunistic about it. Yeah, sneak in there and stab that little baby quietly. <laughs> stab, stab, stab. <laughs> but yeah, now he gets to the babysitting house where we now have our you know blonde friend and her boyfriend with the mystery tattoo commemorating tonight, and they're dry humping. Yeah, they're dry humping. The little kid comes downstairs. He's like, "Oh, there's a guy up here," and she's like, "Okay, I'll check." He's like, "No, send Dave. Send that other kid. Send Stoner boyfriend," which I thought was funny. So she's like, "No, I got it." And she goes upstairs and she's like messing around with the kid like at first she's screaming she's like oh my god and the kid's freaking out and then you're like oh it's a joke so she puts the kid to bed stoner boyfriend's outside fucking around the garage she puts the kid to bed and she's like she says i checked everywhere i checked under the bed i checked behind the door see there's no monsters it's all good <laughs> and the kid goes we close the closet and she sh- goes sure she goes to try and close the closet which is just slightly ajar and it won't close all the way won't close all the way she's forcing it she's forcing it and she pushes it really hard and the door kind of swings open and there's michael myers right there and I was like, whoa, great scare. Worst babysitter ever. The yeah. first two fucking places you check for a killer are the closet and the bed, which means she walked into that room, stood there like an asshole for two seconds, and then started her joke about 
talking to Michael Myers. Yeah, since which was awesome. Kid, which means she didn't kill anybody. It was a great. No, it's a good scene. It's great. It's effective. It's a good kill. It's a good scare. So she gets stabbed up. You know, in front of the kid, the kid sees it. He runs downstairs to try and get the boyfriend. The boyfriend run, runs upstairs, and we don't see what happens, but it's probably going to be a bad time. The fact that we don't see what happens is another one of those things with the movie. It's like, why didn't we see what happened? Uh, because Halloween movies never show us what happens. Like I said before, I was super pissed about this, but after watching this franchise recently, I, the whole franchise does this. It's a common trope in all the Halloween movies. You see him walk in somewhere, nothing happens, and then Loomis shows up and finds like nine bodies on the ground. You're like, you could have showed me one of them, and I would have been happy. Oh, I think I, I think you're selling that short. I Even mean, in like, the fourth one, it's like he walks into a gas station, finds all these dead bodies, walks into an ambulance and finds a bunch of dead bodies. Like this right. whole series is full of, let's find the body <laughs> instead of show the kill. And it's one of the reasons why it, I hate it. But- if you're going to make a Halloween movie and you were writing down like a list of all the tropes, it's like the trope we're about to talk about, looking through bathrooms, you know, tilting your head sideways when you look at shit and then discovering <laughs> bodies. Like if you have all those things, you have a pretty decent Halloween movie, I guess. Yeah, I'm not arguing. I, I won't argue that. I don't. It doesn't bother me as much. And I believe that you're selling some of you're right. It's not the, the goriest of series and you don't see a lot of gore but i think you see him fuck up a lot of people especially in the original franchise as the series goes on but but they so um, so, so they do a lot of reveals and i think the reveals are done creatively or at least in better ways than most than they in usually the whole are. series you mean or in this no, movie in this movie specifically yeah, I, I agree i agree they're creative with the reveals um i don't know who calls the cops but it whether it's the little kid who runs out but the old man police officer who was from the original movie and laurie strode who's driving around on halloween night with guns listening a to a scanner. police scanner they get the call that something's going down at this house right so they zip over there real fast the cop goes in the cops investigating laurie strode's looking out she's outside the house looks up she sees the cop in one room and she sees michael myers in another room she takes a pot shot at him with her gun from the from the ground level, he's upstairs. Yeah, and it's, hits a it mirror. goes through the yeah, it hits a mirror. I thought that was cool. That's well, and it's a cool shot too because she sees the cop up in the bedroom and she sees Michael Myers in a different room, like heading towards him. And you're like, oh shit! The cop goes upstairs and sees the bedsheet ghost again, which is a nice tie into the first again, movie. Yeah, a good nod to to the original thing. And he pulls it off, and it's best friend babysitter. And you're like, god damn, she's real bloody. It's real messed up. Can't really tell what happened to her, but like, okay, it's a good fun reveal. And again, it's a nice visual nod to the original movie. And you see Michael Myers walks past the doorway just at that moment, which is like, oh, freaky. Good. And again, this is in the last two minutes that you and I've been talking, there's two or three things that this movie didn't do that I think most new horror movies would have that would have turned me off. Mm -hmm. When he came out of the closet to kill her, there was a music swell and some sound and stuff, but it wasn't crazy loud thing just to scare me with the noise. It crafted the scare. And it works. And and I appreciate that it wasn't a jump scare, but it, it was agree. crafted. So Laurie Strode is screaming for the police officer. Like, he's in there, he's in there. And the cop sees Michael Myers head down the steps. He chases him down the steps, comes around the corner. And we see Stoner Boyfriend slammed into the wall with a knife in his neck. Classic Michael Myers. Like, the most classic <laughs> kill of Michael Myers is to magically fix somebody to the wall like a piece of art. Unexplainably. We see that in kind of like a medium to a wide shot. And yeah. it's, it's clear that that is the boyfriend. And it's clear that it, I think he's stabbed or like impaled somehow onto the wall. And then you see the boyfriend a lot closer. And as the camera goes by, it's like, look at his shoulder, 10-31-18. And what that does at that moment is you revealed the boyfriend's dead. And you went, oh, he's dead. 
So there had there was a response. It elicited a response. And then when it zoomed in on the shoulder and you saw what the tattoo was, it doubled down on that response. You went, oh, it was there. You know, that was meant to be something to him. And that whole night is now remembered for a different reason. I'm going to throw up on you. Are you it, telling me that you're emotionally connected to this dude who we don't know anything about other than he likes to play with fireworks and that he was going to bang this girl on this night and it was going to be special to him, but he got killed? Why wouldn't you be? <laughs> in a horror movie obviously they're not going to tie me into a character and make me be like that guy's my favorite this little kid's my favorite right now he's not winning that title by anything but if a horror movie especially a horror movie goes hey here's a character i go okay all right i i'll, I'll like him you tell me why and see if it wins me over or not I, like horror movies do not have to earn my care for their characters if there's a character in a movie and they go hey this is the main character i guess i'm going to be like okay fine i have a very low bar for giving a shit about a character in a horror movie usually if they are in a movie and have lines i'm like they want me to care about them all right benefit of the doubt show me what you got and usually they're just mm-hmm. there to die but it was doubling down revealing what his tattoo was was just to make you go oh oh sucks for him like it just gave you an additional recognition to his death Okay, so let me do, if I can paraphrase you. It's a little double impact. You're saying that the movie and the filmmakers were using the tattoo as a device to humanize that character and therefore make his death impact you, the audience, a little bit more? It was meant to give you a double recognition. Oh, he's dead. Oh, he loved his girlfriend. That was going to be a special night. Like, that was it. I, I won't say that that's not what they were trying to do, but I would say that, like, it's interesting, and this could open up a whole nother can of worms, and when we did our Scream episode, we talked about this. Most stalker slasher movies, the, the, the human characters, or at least the, you know, the victims, are just fodder. You're not supposed to care. You're supposed to want them to get killed. Scream, I think, is one of the exceptions where, on purpose, they craft those characters, and you don't want necessarily any of them to die you don't want randy to die you don't want Stu to die you don't want um what's her name tatum you don't want tatum to die in scream you care about those characters and then when they're in danger you're more concerned about them in movies like halloween or franchises like halloween they don't try to make you care about those characters and you don't i don't think you're supposed to really but i, I don't blame them for trying but that's that's what you think that tattoo in this movie was was the, the filmmakers bid to try to get you to care more about that character? Or to make you go, <laughs> that dude died on Halloween and he thought he was going to get laid tonight. Loser. Whatever. Either way. Again, I think that this is, I don't want to say shoddy filmmaking, but the character who, you sh- who the film should have tried to get me to care about was Allison's boyfriend because they did such a big job of establishing him as this nice guy who treats her well. Agreed. Agreed, but why can't you have him have a this other guy have a tattoo? You can, but the fact like, that it was a re- like he's he's better than the shitty boyfriend in the original who had the ghost sheet on, who was like, "I'm gonna get a beer." But to me, it's like I just I think what it was is the movie was like, "Haha, tattoo," and I was like, "But so like, what does that have to do with anything?" It'd be one thing if he was like, "Hey, I brought that special thing for us later," and the special thing turned out to be a knife, and then someone used the knife like. You know what I mean? The plant that seed, the Chekhov's gun type of, of reveal. This just seemed like a reveal is should be like a magic trick, right? When you pull that curtain up, I'm supposed to go, ah. When I saw that tattoo, I was like, that's exactly what I alleged it would be from the first part. Why are you surprising me with this? 
and it had no significance to anything. I'm not saying it's genius. I'm not saying this is right, the right, most genius saying, thing I've ever seen. It's it's pretty minimal, but it also made me go, oh, he's dead. Oh, he had but that you tattoo. Think that's Bummer. why the the filmmakers did that. You think the filmmakers were were giving that tattoo as a thing that would make you lament his death a little bit more, like you'd feel it more because I, I don't I don't know if lament is the lament's okay. a strong word. It's to give your brain two reactions. Okay. And the first reaction should be a reaction to his death. And the second second thing, it doesn't matter what it is. It just makes you go, oh, oh. It just, like it's as just if a like their wedding the invitation was under him and there was blood dripping on it. You'd be like, yes. oh, see, I, I, I yes. understand what you're saying. I just don't know if I agree or care. I definitely don't care. The wedding invitation would have been a much better ploy, but these are kids are in high school and, you know, again. Should have just been a bloody condom on the floor. <laughs> 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 right like like or michael myers just choked him to like pulled out the condom and then choked him to death with it i with all right I, I i understand what you're saying i just feel again i guess sure i mean it just didn't have the impact what you're you. saying is true if if that is the the conscious thought process and why the filmmakers did well, that i just wish they didn't in a better now, way when you buy the blu-ray we can listen to the commentary <laughs> I hope they're just like, this scene you was all fucked are. up in editing. We didn't really think that there would be a whole tattoo thing. It was a whole like subplot. We we cut most of it out. We we couldn't agree on what tattoo to give him. Uh, there were It went through a lot of iterations. The one we had on the day was like a smiley face. <laughs> uh, we didn't like it. So in post, we just put the date because we just couldn't decide. <laughs> <laughs> so they run outside and Creighton Duke shows up and he has the doctor. The doctor's awake. Laurie Strode's there. And the doctor's like, ooh, Laurie Strode. Oh, first, Laurie shoots Michael Myers. Laurie shoots him in the shoulder, and there's a good squib. She got, she got, she hit him, right? Yeah, she hit him good. With a, with a handgun. And the, the police officer jumps out behind her and goes, Laurie! <laughs> and she spins around and almost yeah, blows his head off. This movie is definitely like, shoot me, shoot me, shoot me. Everybody is jumping around. Here's a great lesson. And I think this is one that I just instinctively knew. But if I think there's a good guy with a gun... I don't jump out and surprise them. I usually say something first or I'm like, hey, it's me Yeah, over yeah. Here. When don't, you're playing don't Nerf, shoot. Nerf Crack House, you don't jump out be like, don't shoot. <laughs> I'm on your team. <laughs> so we know Michael's injured. Would the doctor and Lori meet and he's obsessed with her all of a sudden in a creepy way. And she's like, where do you think he's going? And she's like, she's going to get my family. For no reason, as we've already discussed. They all go over to her daughter's house and... The daughter's like, God damn it, mom. What are you doing? And she's here? flanked. Laurie Strode is, is, I thought this is actually a good, a good shot, a good way to show this. Laurie yeah. knocks on her daughter, Judy Greer's house. And uh, when Judy Greer opens the door, it's Laurie Strode flanked by two policemen. And she's like, you need to come with me right now. It is not safe here. Which is really polite because she could have just said, bitch, I told you yeah. so. <laughs> I fucking told you so oh before we get to that there's one thing that i did love about when she meets the doctor she meets dr sardane or whatever and she goes oh you're the new loomis and i was like yeah exactly yeah exactly which i thought was and the movie does do a lot of funny asides like that like at the beginning when it says something about the movie dispels that they're not related it says yeah i heard michael myers was Lori's brother and she's like no that that didn't that's not true um, they do a couple things like that that kind of get you in the right mindset and understand the mythology. Stoner boyfriend goes, what's the big deal? He killed like five people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the grand scheme of thing, what's the big deal? So like they yeah. get it. 
I mean, I, and I love it when characters say what the audience is thinking. They're admitting that they 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 know you're thinking that, and they're going to try right. to work and through it. And I do, it. like we said before, when we were doing the Scream episode, some of that self-reflexive nodding at the audience—it's a fine line. And if you do it too much, I think it can topple your story, or at least suspend your your topple your suspense of disbelief. But I think this is something that this movie did excel at: was listen, there's been ten fucking movies before. We're going to poke some fun. We're going to ignore some shit. We're going to explain some stuff to you, but we're here to have a good time. And if you're on board with yep. the Halloween franchise, you'll enjoy most of this. And I think that it did a good job with that. So they, they pick up the daughter and the husband and they're like, where's granddaughter? And they're like, she's at the dance. And, and they freak out about that. So we go to the dance and I, I'm going to get through a little bit of this exposition. I know there's, I know we could spend some time here, but it's kind of a throwaway thing. But we find out that the boyfriend is actually kind of a jerk, which you're like, what? Why did you spend so much time convincing me he's a nice guy? And they allude that he's a jerk because of drinking. Yes, he gets drunk at the party and kisses another girl. Then he's like defensive and a dick about it. And when she's when Allison's complaining, he throws her her phone in a bunch of pudding, yep. like you do. Um, while her grandma's calling, while while they're trying to get a hold of her to be like, get the fuck out of there! Oh my god, we never see the boyfriend again, which is a waste because at least now you could have him killed in drag, which would have been but a like. Lot of fun. And here's the thing: is there's. To get that phone inoperative, right? Because essentially, that to me, that is why he's a dick in that scene. To get that phone in the pudding. That's the only reason he's a dick. Which, I don't mind that he threw her phone in pudding. I just mind that you spent so much time making him a nice guy just to make him a jerk for Correct. no other reason. And that is my whole biggest issue with this movie is, why did you tell me how great this guy was? Why did you really go over the top showing me what a nice guy he was if... Not only did you yes, turn him 180 agreed. degrees, but then like what happens, Rumi, almost as a rule to dicks in horror movies? They get killed. Ag agreed. This is this, but here's the thing. You said whole movie. This is just no, that but, scene for me. Like you lost a character. You missed out on a character that you could have killed in a fun way, especially the fact that he's dressed as Bonnie from Bonnie and Clyde. That would have been a agreed. fun kill. And I, I, and, I, I well, don't know. I don't know where that scene maybe I think got you cut and I didn't are get on shot the same or whatever page with this, but how you... 100%. How you feel about this scene slash character, I feel about many other things in the movie where I'm like, why did you do that or yeah. why didn't you do that? Now, I was still at running at a high 90% at this movie and this took it down to like an right, 87, right, right. like a, a, you know, so, so it took This is just off, the one place where our universes overlap in this movie. Yeah, I definitely, yeah, I definitely, this was a big missed opportunity and a very strange character change for character and when joey and i were talking about this we talked about the movie afterwards a little bit and another qualm that i have with this movie is i think it did miss a lot of opportunities now you're saying this guy is already dressed up like bonnie and clyde you've done the horror movie thing where you now have made the audience dislike him let's fucking kill him i thought it fucking i thought him. it would have been cool if michael myers used a gun in this movie because guns are all over the place there's guns everywhere michael myers is like the only person in this movie who doesn't pick up a gun at any point and i thought it would have been fucking cool if he's dressed as bonnie if michael myers lit him up i wouldn't have seen that coming you know what i think happened and i think might have gotten cut out of the movie because the dad even said it do you have the bullet written sure. car mowed down by g-men i think there's a moment where that kid jumped out in front of don't some shoot cops me. And said, don't <laughs> shoot and they shot him yeah I think that happened, and I think they cut it from the movie because of today's climate. And that very well could. And if it did, 
That would make Do, sense. Doesn't yes, that make yeah, sense, that, like, though? The pieces of yeah. that puzzle fit for sure. So if that's the case, David Gordon Green, let us know. I know you're listening. Let us know if that's what happened. But either way, he could have also died as the next person who dies died. So she runs away, girlfriend runs away, and she runs away with um, the chubby funny guy there who's established as their like best friend in this little <laughs> triad. And he kind of hits on her. And she's like, no, dude, like wrong time. You're an idiot. Why are you being an asshole? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm drunk. And it's like, okay. But that leads to one of my favorite moments of yes. the film, which immediately gained the points back from whatever Catboy was doing. So, <laughs> but again, this character, whoever it was, it didn't matter. It's a good kill, but it could have been the boyfriend just as easily as right. it was and again, that's, the other uh, And again, this is where I feel like this movie may have come apart in editing because the character that we're discussing now is like, a kind of chubby little guy who clearly loves Allison and also clearly loves Catboy. It's a, he's established in one or two shots or scenes earlier as like their goofy fun guy who teases them both. And now they make a bid for him as, you know, a rebound type of thing that gets shot down by her. Which is un, un, unnecessary, but let's get to this he kill. is left by Allison. Allison leaves him. They're taking a shortcut through these backyards after he makes an attempt at her and she takes off. He's now in someone's backyard that has motion-activated lights, right? Backyard lights. And she jumps over this fence that has some spikes on it. He's left there, and he's like, oh, man, I'm such a moron. And he looks over, and he thinks the neighbors in the yard watch him. He's like, oh, and dude, we I'm see sorry. It's, we see it's Michael Myers, right? We know as the audience. Yeah, Michael we Myers. see it's Michael Myers. The kid doesn't know. And the kid's like, oh, I'm man, sorry, I'm sorry, Mr. Jones. I'll, get out I'll of leave. Your hair. I'm just drunk. And then the lights go out. And then the kid stands up, and the lights pop back on, and Michael Myers isn't there. And it's like, yeah, damn. Yeah, it's really cool. Fucking cool. So the kid's just standing there looking around, then the lights go out again, and the kid takes a couple steps, the lights pop on, and Michael Myers is standing closer to and it's And Michael Myers, the way that that shot is framed, the house with the lights is behind Michael Myers. And Michael Myers is, right, it's like, we can see yeah. it's Michael Myers, we can see the mask, and then the lights go out again. And when the lights go out again, you no longer can see the shape of Michael Myers, so you know damn well when those lights go back on, he's not going to be there. And I think that was one of the more, yeah. like you said, I was in a very vocal movie theater when I saw this. When that happened, everybody went, oh, because we knew what was coming. Yeah. It was really well done. We're freaking out. Yeah. So the kid starts running. The lights come on. Michael Myers is right behind him. And the kid starts trying to climb the fence and his cape, his vampire cape gets caught on the fence. And Michael Myers is coming up behind him. And uh, granddaughter is like, is my friend screaming? And she's like, turns around to like start walking back. Michael Myers starts cutting this kid up in the back. The kid's trying to climb the fence, and he slips and falls and gets impaled through the throat. And we don't see it yet, but it's a reveal when the granddaughter shows up, and she sees her friend with like the spike coming through his mouth, and he's just dead hanging on this fence. And Michael Myers is standing behind him. And now we have the first moment where granddaughter and Michael Myers And this is really good, I think. It, like I said, the whole sequence plays out really well. It was a good kill. I think it's really good, yeah. So she takes off running and starts banging on doors, which is a callback to the first movie where she's, where Lori is banging on doors and nobody answers the door. But granddaughter goes banging on doors and people open the door for her. The cops find out where she is and they show up and it's the doctor, the cop from the original movie, and they find Lori with, with neighbors and they have blankets on her. They tell them to go back to their home. They're going to take granddaughter to Lori's house with her family for her now, to be reunited. Meanwhile, a scene ago when, when Lori shows up with the cops to Judy Greer and Peanut Butter Penis's house, She's like, it's not safe to be here anymore. We got to go. And they're like, well, we can't get in touch with Allison. They're like, well, let's just go to my fortified house anyway, and then the cops will bring her later. First of fucking yeah. all, my mom 
is not usually that concerned about my safety, but I'm pretty sure my mom wouldn't leave my house without me. And Judy, like, you know, I've already made my case that I don't think Judy Greer's character is very complex, blah, 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 blah. She just fucking goes. And nobody seems worried about it. We actually see her dad yo-yoing in the house without him knowing where his daughter is on this murder night. And it's like, well, they all just seem very, con- very convinced that the police have her, which they don't establish. It, this, and this is an easy, simple correct. fix. The order in which you show it, they go, where's our daughter? And the cops go, we found her. She's safe. We'll bring her to you. And they go, okay, we'll, right. we'll meet there. That's an easy way to but fix instead, that. But instead, it's like, we don't know where str- she is. Thing. Nobody can get in touch with her. When we find her, we'll bring her to you. What parent is like, yeah. I mean, I guess it's, it's consistent with Judy Greer's character in this film when she's like... Uh, okay, I guess I'll go into fortified crazy mom who I don't really like's house and wait. It's all trying to get it to this fort fortress thing, so they can. And I have just this feel mom. I agree, and I just feel it's very forced. That's again, that's that's my issue. Is why would Michael care? But anyway, maybe. But again, they don't dwell on it long enough for True. me to be and like it is you're moving, trying to force it, is, it down it is my moving, throat. It is, and it like yeah. the pacing is good, and it and it, it's working as a movie. I just. I have a thousand fucking questions, but so here's the moment for me where it almost completely sunk the movie. For Ooh, me. okay. Like I'm at, like I said, I'm at a ninety percent right now. Like I'm still. This is this movie's getting a pretty solid A for me. I'm loving it. All right. So we have Doctor Sardanus or whatever his name is, cop from the first movie, and granddaughter in a cop car. They're driving along. She's like, "Oh my god, there's Michael Myers," and the cop goes, "I'm gonna kill him." And the doctor's like, "Oh, don't hurt him." <laughs> Cop rams Michael Myers. Michael Myers flies off the front of the car, lies down. Doctor Doctor Sartain actually runs out before the cop and touches Michael Myers' neck and says, yeah. "He's dead. You killed him." Yeah. And Will Patton says, "I'm gonna blow his fucking brains out, even yeah. though I know he's already dead. I'm gonna shoot I'm him in the gonna head." Finish it. And Sardanus, what's this dude's name? Sartain. Sartain. Sartain swings around with a like a penknife. And stabs the cop in the throat. And you're like, oh, dang. Oh, shit. This movie just took a twist. What the fuck? Granddaughter sees this. She can't get out of the back of the cop car. She's locked in. And she's looking through the windshield. And Sartain pops up wearing the mask. And I was like, movie, what are you doing right now? Movie. Wait, and this is where it almost lost you? Because this is where it almost got me back. It completely, I was like, movie, what are you doing? Dude, we are on like the Stranger Things upside down as far as this movie is concerned, right? (laughs) He puts Michael Myers in the back of the car, of the cop car. He throws the mask in the back and he drives her to Laurie Strode's house with Michael Myers in the back seat. And his whole reasoning behind this is like, I want to see this battle go down because I want to see Michael Myers like do his thing in the wild. And I want to hear him talk. I want to hear him say something to Laurie. I want to hear him talk to you. I really want to hear him talk. This is where it lost me. Almost sunk the movie. But the fact that like it quickly regains itself, but literally all that did was like, they're like, how do we get Michael Myers to the fortress cabin? And how do we get the granddaughter there? We've seen Michael Myers steal cars and drive them. He could have ju- he could have just followed the cop car there, right? And still had the exact same scene that happens afterwards. It it, it was just a weird detour of almost a Deus Ex moment where this doctor just comes in and changes the tide of it. Correct. And it, now again, this is again something where like how many months, let's say, of prep went into this movie? I feel like you and I very quickly, without even reshooting anything could reorganize this scene to make more sense for what I think they were trying to do. Now, 
So I'm out when he puts the mask on. See, when he put the mask on, I thought, wait, is this movie now taking a dramatic step and saying that Michael Myers is dead and that this guy is going to be the new Halloween killer for the rest of the movie? I was like, that seems insanely stupid. But go ahead. Tell me what else you oh. want to say. I was not excited about it. No. But I, was, I thought the movie was saying, okay, here's where I'm kicking it up a notch and I'm going to change it and it's not going to be the same thing anymore. And I was like, okay, what's going to happen? They're like, oh, we're just somehow this little doctor who's been shot in the arm and has a sling on is going to carry this giant man very quickly into the back seat. It happened so fast. I couldn't, I actually was like, is he, is Michael Myers now in the back seat with the girl? And he was. So they're locked in the back of a police car together and they're driving and you have that thing of at any moment he can wake up and who knows if he's supposed to kill Allison or not because we don't know is he only killing Lori or is he killing everyone related to Lori? Then the doctor is like, I really want to hear him speak. I want to hear him speak. And she has this stroke of genius where she goes, he spoke to me. And if you stop the car and let me out, I'll tell you. So obviously, the guy stops the car with no problem. And they're, and they're, they're close to uh, Lori's fortress at this point. Obviously, because of device. I like the Michael Myers kill. Michael Myers then kills the doctor by kicking the seat closed multiple times which okay it's fine and then the guy falls out of the car and michael myers comes around stomps on his head which is great right but how did michael myers get out of the car they don't show him climb through the cage but i assume that's what oh, he, he climbs did. out the front door yeah okay fair enough so that happens smashes the dude's head that guy's dead the guy's begging him say one word to me say something <laughs> squish now here again now this squish. is a, this is a this i admit is a nitpicky thing but this whole fucking Dr. Sartain's deal was he wanted to hear Michael Myers talk. Yep. It would have been baller, I think, for him laying there, having been kicked the shit out of, Michael Myers is about to face stomp him, if Michael Myers just looked down at him and said one word or two words and then stomped him. I don't want to hear Dr. Sartain saying, say something, say something, because that's putting too fine a point on it. But if Michael Myers had just looked down and said one word and stomped him, I would have been like, I did not see that coming. That is something that changes. You would every have been other okay home. with him talking. Yes, because the uh, I think because the movie would have tried to do something and done it. Otherwise, it didn't do anything. It just was. What the same could he thing. have said that would have been acceptable to you? That's a good question, and I I've, I've thought of that since last good. night, and I can't think of a, a thing. It could have been anything. It could have been anything, and it would have at least been like, okay, you've tried something different and succeeded. But Pancakes. <laughs> Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Squish. I miss Loomis. <laughs> he could have said, say hello to Loomis. Stamp. Like, it, it, it would have just made it a little bit different. And it would have, I don't know, it would, it would have been more interesting to me than exactly what happened, which is exactly what you said Halloween movies is. He stamps them. <laughs> he just it's says, a, Adios, smish. And they're like, oh, we should have been talking to him in Spanish the I whole time. I wish he said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he stamps them. The effect is great. A very simple yeah. effect. Great that head looks smash. good. And yep. then what, is he, what does Michael Myers do with his, head, with, with his own head? Does the head tilt. Beep, <sighs> what the fuck else did you expect to happen in that scene? That's exactly what you thought was going to happen. I wish but, he had said something. That's super weird because I think if he said something, everyone would have hated the fuck out of that. The whole point is Michael Myers never talks. I I don't disagree. What if when he took? What if when he turned? What if when he turned his head, he went? Pew. 
I mean, I don't disagree, but I'm surprised that you said that because I care less about the franchise. And I've been like, yeah, if he talked, but the whole time he doesn't talk, that's like Michael Myers thing. And you're advocating for him not to be Michael Myers. Well, I think you would have complained if he talked. I'm, and I, I'll be honest, I very well might have, but I feel that this movie had so many opportunities to try something and didn't do it that that time when he's laying there on the floor, I was like, they're going to have him speak. This is going to be a cool thing. He's going to say something. And then Dr. Sartain said, say something. Just say one word. And I was like, no, now they're definitely not going to do it because that's stupid if he says it after he says it. Pikachu. <laughs> Rosebud. Yeah, really. What, he could have just said happy Halloween. Like, it would have been stupid, and you're right, I maybe, I maybe wouldn't have liked it, but at least it would have been something different, and it would have, would have been fulfilling. The fact that this guy just wanted to hear him talk, wanted to hear him talk. How many times did Sartain say, say one word, I just want to hear him talk, I want to hear him talk. This whole scene started because he said, I want to hear him talk. Yeah. Boom, says something. It would have been sure. a bookend, and I don't feel this movie delivered with that, although one of my favorite parts in the movie is coming up now. The whole thing of him saving michael myers for a minute was an unnecessary detour when michael myers could have showed up at the cop car and killed both these cops in the same manner and it would have not have been a problem yeah i agree basically you know they show that there's a couple other police officers who are like we'll go investigate this it we don't need to get into what they're talking about it's it you know it's goofy side shit granddaughter escapes and runs through the woods Inside the house, they're prepping. They go down to this basement that's under like a secret door. They show there's a bunch of weapons. And now we're basically into the final scene. In the getting ready for this, we see Laurie Strode lock the front door for no joke the third or fourth time. At least the third, if not the fourth time in this movie. Why is that door unlocked? Why do we have to keep seeing her lock it? I understand it's a fortress. The front door is the front door. If you were defending yourself against an attacker who is coming to your home, your front door would be the first fucking part that you secure. Why do we have to watch her move the little latch so many times? It just, to me, was like reinforcing something that I already knew. And then, spoiler alert, when Michael Myers attacks, he attacks her through that fucking front door and the bolt does zero. Zero, zero, zero does. Like, it has nothing to do with anything. It just is a waste of my goddamn time. Didn't even stand out to me. I didn't notice how many times she locked the door. These two cops, well, it, 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 that's the thing is it happens so many times when you make a movie, anything you show me or don't show me, theoretically, you're doing it for a reason. You've made me watch her lock it three or four times. I get that that door should be locked. Okay. He kills these two cops and that's cool, right? Does he yeah. kill them in cool ways? Well, you don't see it again in Halloween fashion. Halloween you style. see the aftermath, which is kind of cool because peanut butter penis dad... Yo, yo. Unlocks the door yep. and goes outside and is like, oh, hey, cops, did you find anything about our you daughter? You guys find anything? You guys see anything? He walks out to the because the cop car has now rolled up. We know that Michael Myers has killed the cops and probably yeah. rolled in in the car. So he opens the car door and we find one dude with like uh, the, the pen knife in his throat. Mm-hmm. And, and the, then, yeah, some sort of slit neck or whatever. And then in his lap, the other head has been turned into a jacket lantern, which is cool looking. My Again, favorite part of the movie, my favorite thing in the movie is in his lap is his partner's head, severed head, with a flashlight, like a D-cell flashlight stuck into it to make it a, a jack-o'-lantern. I thought that was really cool. They showed it really nice. It looked good. Then you cut to peanut butter looking at that. Oh, my goodness. And who's behind him? Michael Myers chokes him to death with some bells. Pretty cool. Now, the movie went out of their way to establish that this house is covered in giant floodlights. Yeah. 
Why are the floodlights not on at this point? Because they turn them on after this. Why? What? Like if you're in that room, if you're in that house, Rumi, and I'm Michael Myers, and you think I'm going to come kill you, why would the lights not be on the whole time? I, I didn't. I didn't write her prepper list, man. I mean, her checklist must be like lock door, double check lock door, get weapons, secure basement trap room, turn on lights, and that wasn't there yet. I don't this know, is man. Now, it didn't, but it this didn't is, bother me. Didn't but, bother me. See, for me, it, it ruined it for me because the movie is now telling you this is going to be the final climactic fight between these two titans in this arena, right? Essentially, the house is this thing that we've been building towards the whole movie. And the lights weren't on, so you were pissed? Yeah, I, I, I don't understand that. That's like when you, when you watch a World War II movie and you know the bad guys are coming and everybody's waiting at the, at the barriers and at the gates. And then when they see the Nazis coming, they start loading their guns. I'm like, what the fuck have you been doing? You knew this attack was coming. I can't understand why you have... And the movie made a point to show us numerous shots of these lights. Well, they now, turn them on in a second. They, they do it. And how much did that help peanut butter penis? Well, he wasn't supposed to go outside like a moron, was he, Rumi? But he wouldn't have had to go outside if he had had the lights on. I think he would have gone outside either way because he's a moron. I just don't know why Laurie Strode, who's like prepping and had this whole plan, why were the lights not on to begin with? Like, I just can't understand. Like, they're turned on later in a dramatic fashion for no reason. Well, because you knew that shot was coming anyway. I don't know. It didn't bother me. She turns on the lights. They're there. It's There's time just for the final so showdown. There's so many things, and this happens for the rest of this sequence now, where I'm like, why would that happen now instead of this time? And if it had happened the way that I think it would, it would have made way more sense. And I don't understand. I think part of it is the movie's like, ha ha. And I'm like, but so why? Like, why? Well, the rest of this fight scene parallels, and I think very well, it sort of reverses the roles where Michael Myers is stalking through the house, but at the same time, Laurie Strode is stalking him and it becomes sort of this inverse from the original. And they do a lot of sort of callbacks to like the slatted closet where they had a final showdown. Right. She's stalking him and she has the upper hand because as you said, they have this moment where he grabs her through the windows of her front door and is like trying to choke her and she blows his fingers off and then basically cat and mouses him through the house, which is, I, I thought had a lot of cool callbacks. His reveal is kind of cool. He puts peanut butter in a closet. <laughs> Squirrel style. That was when I thought it was a squirrel. Then he throws Laurie Strode out the second story window, which is a big callback to the first movie again. Of course, she doesn't die. The daughter, the granddaughter's still running through the woods. Uh, the daughter's down in the basement, like freaking out. I like the premise. I don't understand. You didn't find it effective? It was effective until I thought. And because then I was like, well, wait, why wouldn't she just, why would she had all these like automatic like bank gates that would come down to lock him either in or out of rooms. Why wouldn't she yeah. just, the second he was in, why wouldn't you just do that immediately? But I mean, okay, like that's not, you're making a movie here and it's supposed to be fun and suspenseful. I get that. But but if they don't turn those floodlights on first, God damn it, the movie failed. I just don't know why they <laughs> didn't. It just made no sense. Like, it's like, look, she's got all these lights. She just doesn't I, I use don't know them. how with one knife you can suspend a person with their feet off the floor. I give the movie a chance to let, me, let it happen. I think it did, but that movie had done so, I guess... But you had already seen Tom Hardy suck balls as Venom, so you just could not give <laughs> this movie a chance. It's the balloon thing that you always say. When you have a balloon that's filled with yeah. carbon dioxide, I guess, right? 
Yeah. You pop you bop bop it up to keep the suspension of disbelief. And and every time it does a good job, I give it another bop. It was already so low for me, I guess. See, I, and that's the thing. I don't know why the movie got so low. I, I it, to me it lost points when the boyfriend's character was was worthless. It lost major point, like almost popped when the doctor put on the mask and totally just tried to condense Describe, the time. Here's the thing. Describe Laurie Strode's character, or what, at least what the movie wanted us to think Laurie Strode's character was in this film. Well, I mean, she's a PTSD survivor. Right. And what, what, is, what, what keeps her going? What is her mission? What is she literally She wants to planning? kill Michael Myers. How? Killing him? I don't know. It's Any not she a can. cage. It's a trap, right? They make this whole yeah. house into a trap. She filled at least one room with mannequins. Why would you do that? Oh, the mannequins are just are just stock for her shooting range because we Why have the moment Why would you where... arrange them in poses in one room when you know he's coming? That's just your storage room. <laughs> That's like going into a basement being like, "Why are there so many boxes down here?" I dude, I just she had targets in that room too. That was like where she kept all her shit for putting on the shooting range to shoot stuff. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but like I would yeah. not make places for him to hide. Especially, like it's one thing if you run into a house and you're trying to catch him. Well, but like when you set up a for trap, for the most part, she didn't. There were a lot of empty rooms in that house that she could easily sweep and close. I don't think she expected him to get into the mannequin storage facility. <laughs> Again, I, it didn't bother me because you had this cool moment where he's probably hiding behind one of those mannequins. Where is he? That was a good freaky moment. It's like, I like, it, it, it reminded me of an early Kubrick film um, where they fight in a mannequin factory. It's cool. It was effective. The scene was effective enough, but it just lost me because, it, for the balloon pop thing, I'm saying- She just didn't have those floodlights well, on early no, enough. For, and, and like, call me a nitpicky and call me that I'm, I'm you know, splitting hairs, but by the time that sequence really gets started, there's three or four things where I'm like, how could you- Someone who's been prepping for like literally 40 years for this fight. How could you have either overlooked or didn't do that or whatever? You know what I mean? For me, that was like a big deal. Okay. And I also could not stand Judy Greer through this entire sequence. Yeah. She could have been cooler. <laughs> Judy Greer's in the basement. The granddaughter, Allison, comes to the house. The mom's like, it wakes Judy Greer up to be like, oh shit. And she's like, get down here, get down here. They both go down there. Michael Myers is like creeping around the house looking for her. And he, he realizes where they are. He starts like ripping open this trap door, which is covered with like the, the island of a kitchen. He rips it open and Judy Greer's doing this thing where she's like, oh no, oh no, uh, ah, screaming. And then the second Michael Myers opens the door, she's like, got you punk, boom, shoots him in the face. Kind of cool. Yeah, it's kind of cool. But then again, I'm like, her character was so weird this whole movie. Was the whole thing an act? Like at what point no. was she acting? Just right there on the stairs with him? It's, it's when she saw the danger of, of her daughter. She finally understood the mama lion response that her mom had been trying to instill in okay, her for this I'll whole time. I'll give you time. that. And it is it was unexpected. It was unexpected. Yeah. And she's gotcha, shoots him. For a room that full of guns, I would have hoped that they had used more of them. Agreed. Oh, I agree. And that's, again... Well, like, I wanted it to be the final scene... Well, no, the opening scene of, of Jason Goes, Jason to, Goes hell. to Hell, yeah. where the FBI comes out and like, just annihilates right. Jason with bullets... Well, they shoot him up out of the shadows. We hear, we see Jamie Lee Curtis comes out. She starts stabbing the shit out of Michael. It's pretty violent. They throw him down the steps. Uh, Judy Greer and Allison climb out of the basement. Michael Myers does his classic sit up where he's like, boink, plank, sits right up. <laughs> it's pretty cool. 
And then he starts climbing up the steps and they're stabbing at him and they're cutting him and Allison grabs a knife and she's stabbing at him and they get him off of the stairs and they hit a button and like these spikes go whoosh, and they close it off. And he's trapped in the basement just staring at him. And I think Judy Greer says, this isn't a cage, it's a trap. It's a trap. Jamie Lee Curtis turns on the gas and it starts filling the house with gas and especially the basement. <laughs> especially the basement. The heating elements start to glow. They drop a flyer down there and yep. the house is blowing up. They walk out. The house is on fire. It doesn't really blow up. They walk out. No, no, it doesn't explode, but it's on fire and they have a Texas Chainsaw Massacre moment where a truck drives by and they flag it down. They get in the back and we see them all driving away covered in blood. Very, very end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and it pans down to the knife in Allison's hand. And the way that shot, I thought there was going to be some sort of reveal. Because she runs up. We never see who's driving the truck. It's almost like they didn't show it on purpose. I like that he, he didn't let any of them sit in the cab. They all had to sit in the back of the truck. Well, they want to be together. I wouldn't want to be separated at that point. I'd go inside. Especially with some, some rando. What if he was cool? What if it was a girl? What if it was, what if it was a, a survivor girl from another movie and they have a crossover? <laughs> yeah, that would have been great. I expected it to be like either a character from one of the other movies in the franchise. Like It was, it was the creepy drunk priest. <laughs> from the fourth one yeah uh, 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 uh. it was the podcaster yeah still there you alive go with a head with with a head bandage on there you go i'm fine i mean it pans down to the knife and then the movie ends but then like at the very end of the movie you hear the breathing through the mask again and he might be alive which he probably is if she had only turned those floodlights on earlier man would have been that no much i was already out by then there's just i yeah, think it was so just, weird dude it was the pace the pace was okay but there was a lot of there was a lot of things that just didn't make sense and a lot of missed opportunities which is i think more so than the cult of thorn well that was they did it and that's stupid but they did it that's the part i don't understand where would you rank this in the 11 movies hang on because i have my box set is right here i could look at it and tell you number one number two and number three are definitely above it yes i i put this well i said i put this at third well, no. I w- well, the, the two Rob Zombie ones are my least favorites right off the bat. So I know that those can okay. go on the bottom. Uh, Resurrection, I think, blows pretty hard. Although... Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. H2O is probably in my top five, but it's not that good either. I would put this even with H2O. It didn't... Which is, it's basically a remake of. Yeah. It was like... Yeah, I think it's true. Here's what she's doing 20 years later. Well, here's what she's doing 40 years later. I, you know what I think it is? And I th- maybe, maybe this is... And this is more on me than on the movie. And, and I might be wrong. This might be me projecting. But I feel like this movie did a really specific job of saying, hey, we are new. We are different. We are not like those other movies. But then it was just Halloween H2O. I think that's what my problem is. Well, then I think your problem is you just want a better character to make a franchise no no i think i you know what i think you know here's what it is let me try and say it this way this movie was saying no we're not halloween 11 we're halloween 2.1 you know yeah when really it was halloween 11 and i think it tried so hard to be to say well look we're doing different things i was like what are you doing different there's nothing different well you're never gonna get anything different because Every Michael Myers movie has to have the same fucking things. Somebody gets stabbed to a wall. He checks some bathrooms. He tilts his head. <laughs> never, never says a word and chases some people through houses. Like that's it. Yeah, that's I, guess I, all, I guess I guess I just wanted be. it. I bought the hype that it was going to be different. You would have liked it better if he was in space. I might have. I was gonna. I was about to like fight that, but then I was like, no, that actually might. 
I'll be honest, the more I watch the Friday the 13th series, I love the first one. Mm-hmm. Jason Goes to Hell and Jason Goes to Space and Freddy vs. Jason are the most fun films after like the first three. Yeah, I guess that's true. The first one's really awesome. It's a great slasher movie, cool twist, Kevin Bacon getting killed, cool, great. The second and third one is just more of the same formula. They're not great, but you're like, okay, keep showing me a guy kill teens. I like it. When he starts becoming a zombie, you're like, at least you're doing something different. Correct. But then there's just a handful of them in between the movies that do something different where it's just like boring, the exact same movie before, just boring. So it's like they at least up the ante at least every three films. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And you're like, okay. So by the time he gets to Jason Goes the Hill, it's the weirdest fucking movie. It makes no sense, but you're like, at least it did something. Yeah, I think, so, you know I think that's right. I think maybe that maybe that is a good way to express express my displeasure with this one. And the Halloween movies tried to do that. Oh, he's a cult. Oh, it's her brother. But that stuff to me failed so much because it wasn't something different. You just put a tattoo on his arm. <laughs> okay. I, 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 think, I think we're at least understanding what each other is saying, even if we're not agreeing. I would have liked it a lot better if he went to space because then again, I'd be like, here's something bonkers weird. Thanks for doing that, you guys. And again, it's like you can do bonkers weird thing. It just has to pay off. Whereas this did the safe thing and I think it did the safe thing well. So, if this was a direct sequel to the first one, I think it was a damn good direct sequel. It was as good as what the second one set out to do the first time, and it just didn't ruin it by being like, oh, it's her brother. It didn't try to add any world building to it. It Mm. literally just stayed safe and did the safe thing with kills in an effective manner. I thought all the the kills that they revealed, because that's what this franchise does, if you're not like a gorehound who wants the kills every time, it did them well. That backyard kill was really cool. The, the haunted house, like, let's walk through and find the dead bodies nailed to the wall that the cop did. That was pretty cool. Finding a head as a jack-o'-lantern, fucking cool. Like, I think it did all the things that it was supposed to do as a horror movie well. It did a bunch of stupid plot things, but the Halloween franchise, to me, is riddled with stupid plot things, so I'm going to ignore those. See, I'll give everything you just said I would agree with, I think. I think, yeah, I think when you said sure. play it safe, I think maybe that's my... Aside from not understanding a lot of choices that they made, it was very safe. And very that safe. being said, though, I think I gotta—I really have to take my hat off to it because it did not do a lot of things that horror movies currently do that I hate. And I think hate. it would have been very 100%. easy for them to do that, and they didn't. I don't agree with you about the kills and the gore. I think this one had some pretty good gore and some really fun kills. I love that fucking jack-o'-lantern. There was a good amount yeah. of blood, I think, more than the normal Halloween. I like seeing the kills. I mean, that's why Friday the 13th and, and Freddy, I like the see, ones where the kills... See, but I don't think you see Friday the 13th kills. I think that franchise has so many kills that are neutered. We've had this discussion yes. before. If you guys yes, haven't heard and, it... And, but they, but they, they filmed them, and I think they were neutered in editing. I see. I think the Halloween franchise is consistently, I'm not going to show it to you for whatever reason. I see. And, and, and it's a choice. Mm-hmm. We don't need that gore that those other franchises have because we craft our, our scares as, as like atmosphere. Okay. I, I, yeah, I get that. I get that. I'm with you. And again, for me, this was the fourth best film in the franchise and it was played it safe. I mean, it's like you're going to resurrect something. When was the last movie? Early 2000s? You know, it's been almost 11, 12 years since we had a, a Halloween movie. So yeah, I see, you know what it is? I think I won't, I probably won't buy this one and I have all the other yes, ones. You are. Yes, you are. <laughs> Shush your mouth. You love Halloween. You're going to buy it. No, I'm going to be honest. One. So I'm going to fucking buy Venom because that shit is begging for SMS treatment. Oh my God. 
Oh, did you see it? Tom Hardy. No, I don't. I'm never going to see it. I knew what it was. The second they made a PG-13 Venom, I was like, thanks for shooting your ass in the foot, you dumbasses. <laughs> PG-13 is not not the worst part of that. But anyway, this- No, no. no. But, but the second they did that, I knew exactly what that movie was, and it was going to be stupid. This movie- See, I just think like I would rather watch, on, on, a, on a random night, I'd watch four, five, six, or seven before I watched this movie again. Oh, what? Dude. But that might just be because I like shitty movies, and this was not a shitty resurrection movie. Resurrection like, was torture. No, not Resurrection. Not Resurrection. Four, five, six, or se- seven is Halloween. It's uh, H2O. I think I'd watch Curse of Michael Myers before this one. But then again, I like shitty movies, and this one, Halloween 2018, was not shitty. You can't laugh at it. It'd be a fun movie to put on with some friends, but you wouldn't really be able to make fun of it like I'm saying you can for Venom or... For some of the other well, ones. That's what I'm saying. I would watch this more as a, if like, if I watched the first movie, I would consider putting on this one before I consider putting on the original hospital one. Okay. I, I can understand that. I don't agree with you, but I can understand that. And I wouldn't, it wouldn't because be torture it, to watch it again. It's not like I'm never going to see it. It's not like I hate it. It's not it. Yeah. I did like, I did not like it. Remember that? Does it, do you guys remember yeah, how much I didn't so like weird. it? <laughs> so weird. Yeah. You would rather eat a pizza covered in, in peanut butter and penises <laughs> before. No, yeah. I think I would, I would, it, I'd rather have if a. If that joke comes out of nowhere, you have to listen to our it review <laughs> because we make jokes about phallic pizzas. Yeah, I'd rather have a regular like Domino's pizza. The next thing I'd rather do is eat a pizza with dicks on it. And then the next thing I'd rather do is watch 2017. <laughs> that's that's the order of things I'd I like I would to rather do. watch Halloween Resurrection before I watch Venom. <laughs> Does he at least bite anybody's head off? Does he say anything about yes, brains? Yes, there, like, there is a couple head bites, but you don't really see them. And it's they're played off in PG-13 fashion. But it does happen, I guess. <sighs> Stupid. Well... We spent more time talking about this movie than the movie actually is on I screen. Know. <laughs> but I think we're smart about it. I mean, I, I again, I think we pretty much agree that like, yeah, it had some really cool moments, but the shit that I was like, man, it doesn't bother me, killed the movie for you. And the shit that killed the movie for me almost, almost saved the movie for you. That was a weird twist. When we did our Predator review, we both gave yeah. it the same grade, but we felt differently about it. I think, we, I think that's yeah. the same thing here. But we both thought The Predator was not a good movie. Yeah, I guess that's true. You think this one's Whereas a good Whereas I thought this was a, a good movie. I was actually pretty thrilled that this movie was as good I as it was. was. Okay. Again, I thought it was okay. I don't think it's I bad. I just think it was okay. But I give this like, it ended up with like an A- minus for me. No, you're, you're wrong. I'm going to fucking get this date tattooed on my arm to commemorate how wrong you were. And I'm not going to show you for like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you. I'm not going to show, show you a couple you. scenes from now. And you're going to be like, so what? I really wish the Mythbusters show was still on TV just so they could do a Halloween one. Be like, show me that you can impale a body to a wall with a single knife and hold it there. I dare you to fucking do the that. The problem with I that whole thing, that. and George from Famous Monsters of Filmland is the one who illustrated this for us. You, I, like Whether you can or can't do it, you'd have to do it towards the top of the body. And in the first movie, he stabs him pretty much in the stomach, which is not yeah. where... like. Physically and in this speaking, one he stabs him in the neck. Yeah, he at least stabs him in the neck in a way that makes sort of sense. But still, he does it in every fucking movie. This is like something they show in every one of these fucking movies. He's decorating. That's how he decorates for Halloween. Just stabs bodies to walls inexplicably. The soundtrack was good. Yep, I agree. John Carpenter. 
coming back, making a soundtrack. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's our review of Halloween, David Gordon Green, 2018, The Revenge of the Curse. Venom's Revenge. <laughs> Venom's Revenge of the Michael Myers. Um, I am going to get two of these NECA toys, though. Two of them. Of the same one? Of the same one. One of them is going to stay Michael Myers, and the other one, I'm going to give him a burn treatment, because in the next movie, I hope he's all like crispy. I like that you're pre-customizing this figure for the sequel. Yes, I am. He's going to be all crispy, and the mask is going to be all like black like a burnt hot dog. <laughs> okay, that makes sense to me. So one of the accessories for that figure, I think, is the, uh, the little jack-o'-lantern with the heart eyes. Yeah. It better also come with a severed head jack-o'-lantern. That's what I want. Yeah. When I saw the heart one, I was like, okay, but like, can I get that severed head jack-o'-lantern, please? <laughs> Dear NECA, I know you're listening. Then there's also, there, did you hear that they're releasing a playset as well? What's in it? Uh, it's a giant red and gray checkerboard. And then when you hit the button, which shows Michael Myers the mask, the board actually shakes and it makes all the other lunatics look like they're going crazy. <laughs> bark, bark, bark. Makes the dogs bark. Yeah. We showed him we showed him the mask. Nothing happened. Yeah. We showed him the mask and he said one word. Checkmate. Oh, <laughs> well, that was our review of Halloween 2018. If you guys haven't seen it, go check it out. It's I would say it's worth the watch. If you like the original series, if you like horror movies, it's definitely worth the watch. And we you guys know that we love to hear what you think, so let us know. Yeah, what did you think of this movie? I just posted a picture of me standing in front of the poster. We've been getting a lot of responses, people telling us what they thought. Some people really liked it, some people not so much. But generally it's been pretty positive and it made 90 million dollars opening weekend. So One of the effects guys that off. I've worked with said that he walked out of it in a rage. And I don't Ooh. feel that way. Like I can't and I saw other people being like that total garbage. Like I don't think it was total garbage. It didn't hit with me, but it wasn't bad. I would give it an okay, but I can't see what it was bad. But if you guys didn't like it, tell us what you didn't like. Um we'd love yeah. to hear from you guys and, and let us know what you think. Next week is Halloween. And Rumi, it's the last day of the month and we got one more episode to do and we are really excited because we're going to talk about 80s horror remakes specifically the blob john carpenter's the thing and the fly by david cronenberg it's going to be a fun episode we these are movies that you know aaron and i know backwards and forwards but i know that i've watched at least two of those very recently it's going to be a yeah. fun episode tune in we're getting definitely getting ready for you know halloween spirit here if you guys haven't listened to some of our older episodes that are about Halloween stuff, especially the stuff that we did with Famous Monsters of Filmland, check it out. We did a whole Friday yeah. the 13th thing around this time last year. On Friday the 13th, we did. And then there was also, we did a great Halloween uh, countdown with all the movies. So if you haven't checked those out, listen to those. Yeah. And uh, keep it tuned right here. Famous Monsters of Filmland, check out the, the podcasts we did for them because those are perfect for Halloween because they were right around the same time. Fantastic. We talked about... Uh, George Romero and Zombies, we talk about Friday the 13th, we talk about cosmic horror, one of our favorite subjects, we talked about the Halloween movies and just the holiday in general, and then we started getting into the just the ideas of what makes fear and horror and scary things, it's great. So listen to those, and then check out some of our great episodes about our favorite horror movies, the Fear Itself episode it, is a great one. And if you guys are having like a fun party or anything... No joke, check out our Scary Stories for Sleepovers episode because oh, uh, if you haven't yeah. heard those yet, not only like everything we do we think is great, but like we did, Aaron and I did a bunch of little radio plays for these short stories that I know you remember growing up with that were terrifying. 
And we thought we did some pretty fun shit with those. So it's at least worth a laugh. And we thought we did a good job. We're very proud of them. But check those guys, those out if you guys haven't. It'd be fun to listen to at a party, whatever. I know I'm going to make some some of my friends listen to it this year because I think it is pretty creepy and it's definitely worth They're a fun. laugh. Oh, and, and then we try <laughs> to hold a seance and, and summon yeah. Bella Lugosi. Yeah, we, we definitely try to summon a ghost and we, we do get a reaction, but you have to listen to it to, to, to yeah. hear it. Pretty hysterical. Guys, keep up with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod and check out our website, launchpadpod.com. Next Monday, we have Destroyer, Destroyer Mondays. It's the official webcomic of the Launchpad podcast, written and drawn by Steve Prince. Those are a lot of fun. I Thanks you so much, guys, for checking those out and commenting on them. Uh, we're going to continue our artist spotlights on Fridays from the Made It Meltdown event. Happy Halloween. Party safe. Send us pictures of your costumes. Until next time, we're the Rocketeers, and we're out. <sighs> Turn on the lights! Hurry up! Turn them on! Movie over. Sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.